You're listening to the PFWC podcast with me, Carly Compton, a podcast created to help you learn strategies to overcome that bully inside your head, ways to practice self-love, awareness and understanding of eating disorders, how to embrace the body you have been given and develop a healthy relationship with food, exercise, and most importantly, yourself. Here at the PFWC podcast, we find it important to create a safe space and a place for individuals to come to learn how to create that lifestyle that works for them. We're dropping comparisons, fighting unrealistic beauty standards, and coming together to show the world that all bodies are beautiful and that healthy looks different on everyone. Sit back, relax, and get ready to grow together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the PFWC podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. Um, I know I say that like every episode, (laughs) but I mean it so much today. Um, I'm sitting down with Jenna. Um, She is someone who I've really grown to know over the last like couple years, like I would say a couple years. I think it's been over a year since we kind of like were introduced. Um, And Jenna is one of the founders of the Body Love Society. And she is doing such amazing things with Lauren. And I'm really excited to have her here today to share a little bit of the work that they're doing um, and kind of figure out how all of you listeners can kind of get involved in all of that. So Jenna, welcome. Hello. So happy to have you. Um, To start off, do you mind just giving us a quick little introduction um, of who you are? And then we'll go into a little bit of what the Body Love Society and the app and everything is doing. Cool. That sounds great. My name is Jenna Free. I'm a certified intuitive eating counselor and soon-to-be therapist. Um, I focus on disordered eating, body image, eating disorders, um, and me and Lauren both do this work because as so many of us who talk about this subject struggled ourselves for over a decade um, with just body obsession, food obsession, um, dieting, all that stuff we're taught to do. And then once you learn, oh, this I've been set down the very wrong path. <laughs> and then you have to backtrack and relearn a new way of living. Um, and once we did realize, oh, I can eat food, I can kind of reclaim my life back from the gym and the, mm-hmm. and the kitchen. It's not all about food and exercise. Like my life is about so much more than that. And so much, so much more, um, it's so much more important than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really when I came to realize like, oh, I want to help other people realize this, which was a little ignorant because at the time I was like, I just came up with this idea all myself and no <laughs> one's ever considered this. And then, of course, I found the world of body positivity and all the intuitive eating stuff that's out there and all the great work so many people are already doing. And we've kind of just added our own perspective and our own tools to that world. Um, But yeah, that's kind of how I spend my time is helping people find peace with food and in their body and ditching diet culture. Yeah, and I love it. I mean, I feel like we are in very obviously very similar worlds and doing a lot of the similar of similar work. Um, but I am curious, when did this work start for you? Like what period in your life did you decide that this was something that you wanted to pursue in a career you wanted to get into? 
Well, I kind of my journey with food and body started when I was 16 and decided, oh, I'm going to go on my first diet. And then as with most people, it starts off innocently enough. But after probably six months or a year, I was obsessed. I was so strict with myself. It was getting so disordered. Like that's all that mattered was losing weight and being fit and going to the gym and eating this certain way and bringing my meals in Tupperware to like family dinner. Like it got so extreme so quickly, which I think is really common, Mm -hmm. but we're praised for it. So we don't really see that it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just kind of took part in that for 10 years and that led to binge eating and really just on this roller coaster of trying to figure it out, crack the code. (laughs) There's got to be a way where somehow I can just eat very little and just do that all the time and be really thin and happy and everything will be perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that day never came <laughs> yeah, same, it's, same for yeah. me. <laughs> instead the days came where it was like oh wait that's a little messed up mm-hmm. like I really started having these small aha moments of I really don't want to go do that workout and then this little voice is like you don't have to yeah you're a grown-up you're in your 20s like you don't need to do anything you could mm-hmm. just sit on the couch right now like oh like I really had an aha of like, this is a personal choice and I'm choosing this, but I'm acting like I'm being forced to do it. Mm-hmm. Like what, what's that all about? And then another moment that I really remember vividly was getting ready for a trip to Mexico with my now husband and his parents, like a really like not a place where you need to be showing off. <laughs> and I was like, okay, it's gonna be so fun. If I could just lose five more pounds, it's going to be so fun. And I'm like, well, why do I always think like, it's not going to be fun if I'm just as I am? Like, Mm -hmm. it was always, okay, I just need to do this. I just need to do that. And then I'll feel really good. It's like, wait, I haven't felt good for 10 years. Like, and you just start questioning your own beliefs. And that's when it really started hitting me that maybe what I've been doing isn't the right thing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm kind of giving you the long version of the story, but I think a lot of people probably either they're still in dieting, maybe they've been having the, their own glimmers of, yeah, I know it doesn't really work for me either, but I've just felt kind of stuck. So I didn't know there was any other option. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once I started realizing it, it was really more of just like, I just can't diet anymore. Like physically, I couldn't. Like if I would eat a diet meal, I would like be binging that night like it just Mm -hmm. it just came to a point where it's like I literally cannot diet Mm -hmm. you couldn't pay me a million dollars like I just physically can't do it anymore so it's just not an option so I guess I'm eating now yeah (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's what's happening Mm -hmm. and I just started being more relaxed with food and allowing it more and then when the binging stopped I was like oh that was the answer wasn't trying to crack the code and figure out how to restrict more was letting myself eat freely and it was and I wasn't even I didn't do it the way I guide people to do it now because I didn't know Mm -hmm. that there was like a way to become intuitive and kind of a process I was just like I just can't diet anymore so I guess I'm eating now yeah (laughs) and so I just started being more lenient and more relaxed with it and if I went to a party and there was chips out and I wanted them I just eat them without being like okay am I gonna go all out tonight or am I gonna be good it's like I'm just gonna eat some of this Mm -hmm. those small steps towards just 
being relaxed with food and that that was kind of my first step and then soon came along a little bit of weight gain and I just was like well if that's that's just what comes with eating I guess and I can't yeah. I just can't care this much anymore mm-hmm. um, and, and I think that I think that like acknowledging that weight gain aspect is is really important because I think obviously for a lot of people that is like the biggest fear mm-hmm is no, I can't like recover or no, I can't eat this or I can't eat freely because I'm going to gain weight. And we've just been trained and taught that that's just the absolute worst thing that you can ever do. And so I'm curious, you know, what did that process look like for you mentally? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, you know, is it similar to what you coach people through now, or is it maybe a little bit different? But what would you, what advice would you give someone who has that fear, um, but knows like they want to recover and heal their relationship with food, but they have that fear of weight gain? Mm -hmm. I do think there does come like, maybe it's a bit harsh, but I do think there comes a moment where you just have to choose. Like, what do I care about more my life Mm -hmm. or the way my body looks? Mm -hmm. And there will come a point. I really do believe that for most people where they're like, I can't, even though I care, like I do care what I look like but I can't care enough anymore to have it rule my life. Like I'm so exhausted. I'm burnt out. Mm-hmm. Like it's just physically impossible to have that as my first priority anymore. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of just choose and it doesn't mean it's not scary. It doesn't mean you like the way you look when you gain weight. It doesn't mean anything. It just means I'm prioritizing my mental health and my physical health mm-hmm. um, and kind of my sanity over yeah trying to control the way I look because I'm not really controlling the way I look as much as I think I am maybe in the short term Um, but as we know diets are not reliable and you Mm -hmm. most people will gain the weight back so it's really just letting go of that illusion of like well if I just eat healthy I'll have full control over the way I look for the rest of my life and I'll eventually land in some sweet spot where it's not so hard. It's like, no, it's always mm-hmm. going to be an uphill battle. It's only yeah. going to get harder as we get older, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to kind of trick your body more and more and more and more as you age and as your body adapts to all these diets. It's just going to get harder. So if you can't do what you're doing now, like you can kind of stop the train here and get off instead of it just getting harder and harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so that moment where like, yeah, but I'm scared of weight gain. It's like, okay, but you've been prevent, even if you have been preventing weight gain, are you happy? Yeah. Like there does come a point of why are we trying to not gain weight? Well, in the end, most thing, most people are like, well, I think I'm going to be happy when I'm thin or mm-hmm. I'm going to be more loved when I'm thin or I'm, it's like, well, is that true? Are you happy? Mm-hmm. The, do you have this unconditional love from all these people that is important to you because of your weight? Yeah. And really questioning like, why do I want to stay thin or become thin um, or thinner? And is it even working? Am I getting what I think I want from this? Mm -hmm. And I think that even kind of goes back to what you mentioned earlier in terms of, you know, preparing for that vacation that you were going on. And I can't tell you how many times I was in that same exact situation where I was like, okay, I'm going on vacation. I have six weeks. I'm going to lose this much weight. Um, And 
I maybe lost the weight, but would still go on vacation and not be happy. Like I would still be miserable. And I think for me personally, I can only do that so many times where I told myself, okay, once I lose this amount of weight, I'll be happy. And then wasn't happy. And then again, and again, and again, because as we know, like, it's not, it's not about the physical appearance. It's not about how much weight you can gain. It's about healing that mental and emotional aspect of all of it before you can truly be happy and have that sense of love and appreciation toward your body. And I think if you don't have that mental and emotional aspect of it, you're never going to be happy no matter how much weight you lose. Um, So I think that's also another important thing too, is that you may think that losing weight's what's going to bring you happiness, but how many times are you going to tell yourself that before (laughs) you realize, okay, maybe this isn't working. And no matter how much weight I lose, I'm still unhappy and still need more and more and more. Um, so I think that was a big turning point for me, um, in my recovery was really figuring out, was I truly happy or was I just happy because society was telling me Mm -hmm. that if I lost the weight that I should be happy. Um, and so I think that was, yeah, a big thing for me. And I don't know if that's something that you also experienced where you were like, this isn't really me. This is. That's so funny. You said society that. And I diet culture. Definitely had moments of like, there's an incongruency here. Like I am not a superficial ditzy, like even like, this is kind of stereotypical, but like, I'm not a ditzy girly girl who like cares so much about what they look like. Why am I so focused on this weight thing? Like, mm-hmm. cause I'm pretty chill in every other area of my life. Like I could, I'd go to like high school with like greasy hair or like no makeup. Like I didn't really care. It's like, but my body has to look good. It's like, wait a minute. Like what, like, why am I so hyper-focused on this one thing? And of course, a lot of it was like the validation you get when I did lose weight in high school, like the world was like, Oh, you're valuable now. And I was like popular mm-hmm. all of a sudden, And like got all these like guys liking me all of a sudden. So it's a real ego high. So I think the thing that, because we're talking about the happiness thing, I think why we get tricked so often into thinking this will make me happy is it does give us a temporary high Mm -hmm. and ego boost, but that's not the same thing as happiness and contentment. Yeah. So I would feel like so good when I got a compliment or a guy would hit on me. It was very for like male attention was a big focus of like my motivator because mm-hmm. before I lost weight, no boy ever spoke to me ever, like, yeah. ever. And then all of a sudden it's like, everyone wants to date me. Wow. This is such an ego boost. Yeah. Um, and so that was really at the root of like what I was searching for and like that validation. Mm-hmm. And it does give you the high in the moment but it doesn't give you that long-term steady contentment. So you might feel good for one night when you go out and get attention, but then you go home and the next day as you're weighing your chicken breast, it's like that, Mm -hmm. that high is gone. So you're never going to feel happy, but you almost think you're feeling happy because you get those moments of validation and an ego boost. So it's a bit of a mind F because yeah. <laughs> you get those little boosts, but it's not, gen- it's not genuine. And that's what I find now is like, even though, yeah, if I see a picture of me now and then it's like, yeah, I think I looked quote unquote better then mm-hmm. because of society standards, 
but like in my day-to-day life I'm so content now it's mm-hmm. just like my body's just in whatever phase it's in I've had two babies somewhat recently and it's like she went up and down and up and down it's like I'm not trying to control anything. Just let it do its thing. And wherever it's at, that's where it's at. And I'm just going to take care of my body how I want to and move it how I want to at that time and eat how I feel like it at that time. And that changes and ebbs and flows, but there's no, like, I'm not chasing after anything. I'm just Mm -hmm. content in my body because it's the vessel I have to live my life. And so that it's like a bit more of a boring feeling because it's strong and steady Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have those highs and that ego boost but it is much more rewarding definitely yeah and I think kind of going back on looking back at old photos that was something that was really hard for me at the beginning of not the beginning really but toward the part of my recovery where I was gaining weight and I would look back at old photos and be like oh my god I look so good I was so quote unquote fit and quote unquote healthy. And then I had to stop myself. And this may be helpful for people listening who find themselves kind of going into that headspace. Um, I have to really pull myself back and remind myself of what the actual reality was of that version of me. Um, I have to ask myself, was I really happy? Was I really healthy? Was I really fit? And the answer to all of those was no, <laughs> and it still is no. And so I think for people who, cause I know, you know, Facebook memories and you see all these old photos of you pop up and I know it can be really hard to not feel the urge to somewhat like diet a little or like, <laughs> I'll just restrict a little or, you know, something like that. I think if anyone's listening and you find yourself in that place, just know it's not worth it. You know, like where you were then is not where you are now. And the recovery and the healing and the growing and all of that is 100,000% worth it. And kind of like Jenna said, there was, for me, I guess that was that fake happiness. Um, you know, that happiness that came very on these little spurts, whenever you would get a compliment. And I think a big thing for me was that I had to realize that I didn't want to continue living my life to like, please others based on the way that I looked. I was tired of like waking up every morning and thinking about, okay, what kind of compliments am I going to get today? Or, you know, what is someone going to say about my body today? That was exhausting for me was that, that aspect of always thinking about that. Um, so I am curious. So, you know, you are, certified intuitive eating counselor. Um, you work with individuals who are stepping into intuitive eating, trying to step out of dieting. Um, I'm curious what your, you know, first piece of advice is that you give to clients who come to you, who are trying to leave diet culture and trying to step into intuitive eating. Um, what is that like first piece of advice that you give them? Yeah, that's so hard because it's like, it is a journey where you kind of have to jump in fully. Mm-hmm. You can't really do one small thing and think it's going to change anything because it's such a like 180 of how you're mm-hmm. going to think and what you're, how you're going to be acting and what you're going to be doing that to say like, oh, do this one thing to start. It's like, yeah, of course, going off an actual diet's a great idea. Like 
like delete your Weight Watchers mm-hmm. apps, delete your My Fitness Pal, delete anything where you're tracking food and stop actively tracking or trying to be on a plan. But then that kind of leaves people in this like no man's land of like, so what do I even do? <laughs> I don't even know yeah. what that means to not be on a diet. So it's really hard. Those first phases are difficult. Um, but I guess just learning about like, well, what is intuitive eating? There's a book called Intuitive Eating. Um, we also have a podcast called How to Love Your Body. Um, we have a journal about food relationships called Undiet Your Mind, Eat with Ease. Um, and that can be found on Amazon. Uh, so it has like daily prompts and stuff of kind of breaking down your relationship with food, assessing it, figuring out um, kind of how you can start healing it. So there's little tools you can do, but it really is a, like, you really got to jump and have, take that leap of faith um, and know that you can trust your body. It just might take some time to reestablish that trust with your body where you can eat freely. You're not going to be obsessing about food all day. You can stop binge eating. Yeah, you can eat pizza, but you can also eat salad. Like all the foods are available to you and you'll eat a wide variety of food. Like I know people fear at the beginning, oh, I'm going to eat is ice cream and, and fried donuts every single day, all day. It's like, well, maybe at first, but yeah. long-term, like your body does want a wide variety of foods. And you got to kind of have that glimmer of like why you're doing this and what your goal is. Um, and for anyone we work with, it's just a healthy relationship with food kind of being a quote unquote normal eater where yeah, you go out, you eat, you enjoy it, you go home. Like it's not a cheat meal. Mm-hmm. It's not a, you're just eating in the, as a person in the world. Um, and you're not, you're not um, consuming food to try to look a certain way. You're just consuming food because we need to eat and it's enjoyable and it's social. And um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big journey. And yeah. that's what I've really found is, is you do have to really put both feet firmly in the ground even if you don't know what you're doing yet and just say this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to keep working at it until it all clicks and it always does for people right because it's biological this isn't even though it is, there is a book called intuitive eating by Evelyn Tribbley and Elise Resch who are dietitians but they didn't make it up it's not like oh these two people came up with an idea and now we're following this idea it's like no they kind of just documented how the body works like they documented how the body eats outside of diet culture (laughs) so it's so it's based in like the reality of how bodies work it's scientific it's not because so many diets right there's someone's idea of well why don't Mm -hmm. we try this or if we do this these numbers and these calculations and this much protein then maybe this will happen yeah Uh, this is more um like this is just how bodies work Mm -hmm. definitely and i think a big thing too with um with stepping into intuitive eating, um, is making sure that kind of like some of the stuff that you recommended is having those tools that you can implement, but also just surrounding yourself with support systems, because it can be so easy to slip back into diet culture when that's what you're surrounding yourself with. So, you know, kind of maybe doing it with a friend or doing it with a family member or, you know, um, doing it with a coach or, you know, finding a therapist who specializes in it or something I think is really helpful in starting that process because 
for me, especially that was the, and like you mentioned, it's, it is this big kind of leap that you have to take. And I think for me personally, that was the scariest part was, okay, well, if I take this leap, what happens if I fall flat on my face or what happens if I fail? And I think I found for myself personally, that having people in my life who understand intuitive eating, um, who, you know, aren't ingrained in diet culture, setting boundaries with people who may be still in diet culture. Um, I think those are really important steps to take as well in the beginning. Um, cause I grew up in a household that was, very diet culture heavy. Um, my mom was always dieting. My grandma was always making some sort of comment on our bodies. So I grew up in that. And so when I started my recovery and really started intuitive eating and healing my relationship with food, I had to set those boundaries. Um, I had to tell my parents, my family, like, when I'm home for the holidays, I don't want to talk about these things. Like, I don't want to talk about the diet that you're on. I don't want to talk about how many calories are in the food that we're eating for, you know, the holidays. Um, and while that was really difficult, setting those boundaries felt really uncomfortable and scary. It was 100% worth it because after that one or two conversations, yeah, maybe I had to remind them a couple times, but from then on out, it was you know, they knew what to talk about and what not to talk about when I was around. Um, and now I feel like I kind of see my mom shifting a little bit in terms of being a little less diety, which is really exciting for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the boundaries aspect and really finding people to support you and people that you can kind of turn to when things start to feel really difficult. Yeah, that's so funny because we had a, a new client recently. We just had one our first session together um, and they were like, am I crazy? Like, because I don't feel like dieting is right. And her family was so diety that it's like talking to me was like, oh my gosh, it's such a relief. Like someone else is saying it. I'm not, I'm not crazy for thinking this way. Like this is actually hasn't been serving me. And this is really helping to talk to somebody who kind of knows the, the science behind it, knows how the journey goes, because we've worked with so many people um, to kind of reassure them, like, no, this is good. It's exactly what probably would happen at this point, and it's all okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think just, yeah, having those people, having those conversations, and also I feel like for most people that I've worked with or had the experience to talk to um, who are stepping out of diet culture or into intuitive eating for them. It was like, all they needed was that first little glimpse of life outside of restriction and outside of diet culture. And I feel like once you have that first little glimpse or, you know, you, you go out to dinner for the first time and you look at the menu ahead of time, or you don't care about the calories, like that first little glimpse you get of it it's like a drug. Like, it's like, oh my God, this feels so good. I feel so free. Um, and for me, it felt like I was really taking back control of my life. Um, diet culture didn't have control over my life anymore. My eating disorder didn't have control over my life anymore. I had control of it. And that was probably the best feeling was really feeling like I have control over this and 
I think that, you know, everyone deserves that full control over their life and the way they move their body and the foods that they eat. And, and I think that's why the work that you're doing and intuitive eating and all of it is so important because it gives people really their lives back and that control back, um, which a lot of people unfortunately don't realize maybe they lost control or they weren't fully living until they get that glimpse of, you know, life outside of restriction and everything. Yeah. And it is cool. Sometimes you have those moments of, I think a lot of times the moment that really like makes people go, Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is working. It's like one moment I had is like, I went out for dinner and I genuinely wanted to get a salad. Like I would never have wanted to get a salad in my entire life at a restaurant. Cause that was like my cheat moment. Like that was mm-hmm. like when I could really go all out, I was eating healthy at home. So when I'm out, like, that's when I'm going to get the most like carby mm-hmm. fatty thing I can possibly get and just stuff it in my mouth. Even if I feel sick, who cares? This is my moment, but it's like, that doesn't feel good. You don't even enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, of course I get the burger. Sometimes I get pizza. I love pizza. So I'll almost mm-hmm. always order pizza. If there's good pizza on the menu, but yeah, this one time I had like a cider and this big, like, it was like a rich salad with cheese and nuts and chicken. And it was so good. I was like, wow, like, this is what I genuinely 100% want. Like, mm-hmm. that's so weird. And then at home the next day, I think I had like chicken nuggets or something. So it's like, it's not like, oh, I'm so healthy now. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, like, this is cool. Like, habits are changing. Patterns are changing. Like, I'm genuinely tuning in and just eating what I feel like eating, regardless of what it is. Mm-hmm. And it feels so like it makes so much sense once you're doing it. Yeah. And I think it's really eye-opening um, from, you know, my experience and from other people that I've talked to have said that, you know, you don't realize how vocal our bodies are um, until you really, because like, if you think about it, you know, growing up, we're born, we're all born like intuitive eaters. We say what we want to eat. We eat when we're, we eat until we're full. We want to eat again when we're hungry. Um, and so unfortunately just over time that has been broken up by broken up by diet culture. Um, but I think for a lot of people, like just being able to listen to your body and for that first time being like, this is what my body wants and I can hear it. I can hear what it's telling me. I can understand what it's telling me. And really being able to understand and hear it is such an amazing thing to experience because you're like, all this time I was like (laughs) ignoring my body or I like had headphones in and was like ignoring what my body was telling me that it needed. Um, And so I think that's another beautiful thing of intuitive eating is that experience of really being able to trust your body, giving that trust back to our bodies and the way that they're naturally supposed to work. Um, and just being able to say, okay, I'm craving a salad. I'll have a salad or I'm craving French fries. I'll have French fries. And just being able to, to serve your body and and give your body what it's, what it's craving. Um, I think that was the biggest thing for me because going to restaurants for me, it was like, okay, I have to get a salad and then maybe I'll share French fries with someone. Cause me, I'm a huge French fry person. If every mm-hmm. restaurant I go to, I always have to get French fries. Okay. And I remember the first time I went out to eat, um, in my recovery, 
and I didn't even think twice about it. And I ordered like a sandwich and fries and I finished the meal and I was like, holy shit, that was so good. (laughs) And it was just this amazing feeling of like, I didn't have to dissect what I was eating or think about how many calories was, were in it or how it was going to work it off. It was just a meal. And that I think is one of the most beautiful aspects of healing. Yeah. It's so freeing. Cause it's like, think of all the jobs our brain has like, okay, I got to do my actual job. I have to take care of my family or my kids. I have to do my schoolwork. I have like our jobs have so, or our brain has so many jobs mm-hmm. and food, it, food doesn't have to be one of them and controlling your body size takes up so much of our brain space, but that doesn't have to be our brain's job. Like mm-hmm. you, it's not a like, our responsibility it's our body's already doing it and we can just okay body you can just take over from here like I'm exhausted you just yeah. do whatever you want yeah and you really can find a place where you're just relaxed with it mm-hmm. and I think the same goes for movement too that's something that you talk about a lot um at the body love society and the undiet your mind app is really you know healing that relationship with movement as well as healing your relationship with food um i think that's huge too and i'm curious like which one do you recommend do you find yourself recommending first is it usually like focusing on food first and then movement or is it at the same time? I'm curious what you found to be like the most, I mean, obviously it's different for everyone, but just in general. I think it can, you can do both, but I think for a lot of people that might look like stopping like traditional working out for a while mm-hmm. and just chilling out. Like, yeah. okay, I need to stop this like hustle. Like, hey, gotta get all my workouts in. God, what's my schedule? Da, da, da. Like just relax for a while. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it looked like, not doing anything for a while and then I did hot yoga like solely for a year like very gentle just like I live somewhere cold so it's like I just get to go somewhere and be cozy warm and do Mm -hmm. some stretches and Mm -hmm. like that's what I did for my movement and that going from like intense gym workouts to that was a huge change for me because before the only reason I was working out was trying to look a certain way yeah now I I still wanted to move my body but I knew it had to be different and my motivations had to be different um and it and that's really ebbed and flowed for me like for when my kids were really little and I was just so burnt out I kind of took it off my plate altogether Mm -hmm. I was like okay I'm not even expecting myself to do any sort of like intentional exercise for a while and I think it lasted like six months where like I'd be walking around my kids and busy with them but like I'm not going to gym not going to any classes Mm -hmm. I'm not I just kind of like rid myself of that need to try to do anything because I just knew I didn't have the capacity at that time Mm -hmm. um but then kind of more recently I've been wanting to get like I've been craving it and so I went to like this one fitness class place for a while but then I was like this is a bit too intense for me so it's like fun you get to experiment now I'm going to yoga a bit again and I got a gym membership again recently so I'm like I'm just gonna go and like dibble dabble in there for a while and then leave and then today I went and then came home and made nachos for lunch like, yeah yeah such a different relationship with it but it still has a place in my life and I really enjoy like exercise even traditional like lifting some weights or mm-hmm. 
going for a nice long walk and going hiking and yoga. And so it's still, it's not like, oh, I don't, I will never participate in Mm -hmm. traditional exercise again. It's like, no, but my motivations are so different that it feels so different. Like, even if I go to the gym, even if I went four times a week for a year, I'm not sitting around waiting for quote unquote results. Mm-hmm. Like I just am moving my body to feel good, feel strong, be active, you know, sleep better, all those things that are great, regardless of if your body changes or not. Mm-hmm. And when those are your motivations, you just have a much healthier relationship with it. Yeah. And I think that's what I've seen as probably being the most difficult thing for people is, uh, you know, for a lot of people, they do have to take like that break from mm-hmm. working out, from moving their body bodies when they're starting to heal their relationship because they need to take that time to focus on the mental and emotional side of things. Um, and then I know others who were able to keep moving their bodies and, you know, heal their relationship with exercise along the way and never felt like they really needed to take that break from working out. And so I think a huge thing is just really, it's, it literally just depends on the person and mm-hmm. what they feel like is best for them. If they feel like they can't move their bodies without thinking about their physical appearance or how many calories they're burning, then maybe that's a sign that you do step back and you do take a little bit of a break and then you can kind of start to incorporate it back into your life. Um, but I, I relate so much to like the kind of going around to different types of movement. Like I recently started doing Pilates, which is really not usually me. And, you know, some days I want to just walk my dog or some days I really want a really intense workout. Um, and I love that aspect of it is like, I don't have expectations for myself. I can just go about my day. And if I'm sitting at my desk and I know I'm going to have 35 minutes of free time and I'm feeling this like itch to go do something, I can go do it. And it doesn't have to be this like really thorough thought out thing. Um, And I think it just removes a lot of the stress around exercise and, you know, people who feel like they have to wake up at 5am and go before work and get it done before work and um, all of that stuff. I'm like, if that's not, if you don't enjoy that, then you shouldn't be doing it, you know, like (laughs) find time find other times throughout your day that feels a little bit more genuine and less stressful for you. Um, I was listening to one of the, one of your podcast episodes where um, Lauren mentioned something that was comparing joyful movement to chosen movement, Mm. um, which I thought was really powerful term, like this idea that you get to choose when you move your body how you move your body for how long you want to move your body. Like that is completely up to the individual. And I think taking that control back is really powerful. Um, you know, we do, we get wrapped up in joyful movement. Sometimes not all movement that I do, I'm really enjoying, (laughs) but that's when I go back to that idea of chosen movement where I'm like, maybe I'm not enjoying this 100%. It's really difficult and hard for me right now. Like it feels uncomfortable. Um, but I chose to be here and I chose this for myself. And I think that's, I don't know, I I guess it's just a concept that really stuck with me when I heard it on the podcast. Um, we do talk about that a lot with both food and movement. It's like an empowered choice. Like 
you can choose to go to the gym right now or not. Either one is morally right or wrong, but yeah. you just choose it. You're a grown up, make a choice and do it. Like mm-hmm. choose not to, that's totally valid. Like I'm choosing not to go today. Cool. You're a grown up. You can do whatever yeah. you want, but it's hard. I know to think that way when you're in this world of shoulds, mm-hmm. but yeah, getting to a place of like, I can choose to go or choose not to, and both are fine. And what do I feel like doing today? Mm-hmm. Or, or actually I still want to move, but I don't want to go to the gym because it's so nice out. I'm going to go outside. Mm-hmm. like that's all of those are a choice or with food like oh I'm, I'm gonna choose to have this dessert even though I'm really full because it looks so good it's like that's mm-hmm. fine you're in a you're a grown-up eat the dessert yeah. or I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to pass just because I'm so full I don't want to have a stomach ache great that's a perfectly valid choice as well mm-hmm. um, there's no right or wrong it's just but when you do choose something choose it and enjoy it if you're choosing to have that dessert enjoy it yeah like don't oh well maybe I should it's like you made a choice do it and move yeah. on. And then you're going to make another choice later. And we have many choices to make in our life. There's no point mm-hmm. dwelling over these very minuscule choices in the scheme of things. Yeah. And I think that's so important to remind ourselves of is just make the decision, you know, like clear that space in your head, make the decision, move on. Um, and I think also removing that expectation that you have to like explain to people or validate why you're making certain decisions. It's like, for me, if someone's like, Oh, why are you choosing a salad? Are you on a diet? Are you trying to lose weight? And I'm like, (laughs) no, that's just what I want. That's just what my body's craving right now. Um, I think that's one of the most frustrating things is especially, for people in larger bodies, if they're mm-hmm. eating a salad or they're eating a, you're drinking a smoothie or have a green juice or whatever, there's like this automatic assumption that, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. You're <laughs> on a diet. You're trying to lose weight, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just so horrible. eating this because this is what I want. Yeah. Um, and so usually if I get comments like that, I just like kind of chuckle and I'm like, no, no, it's just cause I wanted this today. <laughs> um, so I think just being able to release yourself of feeling the need to explain why you're choosing certain things or why you're eating certain things and just doing them and choosing them for you. I think, I think that's part of the kind of the like undieting your mind like we always talk mm-hmm. about we do have our, like you mentioned we have our app called undiet your mind um that you are an expert in so yes I was actually gonna have you share a little bit about it so yeah. take it so away I, um I will but I I, I want to figure out what I was going to say though because I was at a point now I lost it oh yeah that's part of undieting your mind is like kind of bringing the purpose of everything you do from outward to inward. So it's mm-hmm. like explaining everything to everybody, having it to make, make sense to people, justifying, like trying to get compliments, all this external stuff. Whereas like, actually everything you eat only affects you. Mm-hmm. The way you move your body only affects you. It's not about anybody. So it's like, you kind of bring yeah. it inward and you realize like, oh, it's nobody's business, nor should anybody care. So I don't have to tell anyone anything um, and then once you get in that mind frame, I do find people around you kind of follow suit because they realize like, you're not very interesting to talk to about that. <laughs> yeah. Or they're like, oh, wow, she's so happy. Or, you know, she's really enjoying things and I want to feel that way. So mm-hmm. I think there's that end of it too, where people are like, how are you doing this? Why don't you care about yeah. this? Or how did you give up the pressure <laughs> to feel this way or whatnot? And it's like, 
I did this, this, and this, and it was the best thing I ever did for myself. So I think, yeah, I think that there's that end of it too. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, as a, as we were talking about, so the Undot Your Mind app is our app with meditations, lessons, courses, we now have articles, we have movement classes, everything from a non-diet lens. Mm -hmm. So if you're someone who's trying to learn about this work, you're trying to become an intuitive eater, heal your relationship with food and your bodies is a great place to be. Um, it's a pretty affordable option for having, I think we have over 80 now experts from fitness people, psychologists, physicians, dietitians, um, so many different people that are all in the like disordered eating, health at every size, non-diet field. Um, mm -hmm. So you can really just absorb content, learn. We have a community in there. So that's a nice Part of it is that you can talk to other people on the same journey as well as some of the experts participate in the group and will answer questions and comment um so it's a, just a really nice little hub for this work especially if you're mm -hmm. just getting used to it and trying to learn about it um you really have like so much so many resources at your fingertips yeah and i found i was explaining to someone um the other day about how like it really is this space of like all these little like podcast episodes like if you're doing the audio version of it whereas like you know you go on spotify and you're trying to find a podcast on anti-dieting or you know um whatever it may be you kind of get lost then you're like is this a good podcast is it not Whereas like the Undiet Your Mind app, like everyone in that space is, you know, you all have, you all know, and you know the work that they're doing. And I'm sure that you spent a lot of time figuring out who you wanted to bring onto the app. And so there's like this trust there that all of these experts really do um, care about this work. And it is such an easy space to find little podcasts and less like quote unquote podcasts, but like these lessons, these audio lessons. Um, so I've kind of found myself explaining it to people like that. And they're like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. Like this one space where you have so many different topics and so many different people. Um, and now the articles and like the movement aspect of it, like it's such a positive space and empowering space. Um, and I love the community aspect. I tell people it's like, you're scrolling Facebook, but it's like all people who are, you know, trying to heal or who are, you know, working on intuitive eating. Like it's none of, none of the bullshit that you get from other feeds. It's just yeah. like this feed. Um, and I think that can be really therapeutic for people to just be in that space where well, I think don't it's have to that, worry about that. like this client I'm working with who's like, oh, I felt like I felt so alone and even just talking to you is so nice. So it's like, imagine something on your phone where you go into it and you know, like every single thing you listen to or watch mm -hmm. or read is going to kind of get you one step closer to where you want to go. Nothing's ever going to like, oh, actually that was super diety. Oh, I didn't like that one. Like you're never going to mm -hmm. find that. Um, and then you get to talk to people who are on the same journey as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's just such a, a healing space. I think it's a great space for anyone who is starting their journey or starting, you know, to step into intuitive eating or just, you know, like I know there's some postpartum coaches and, you know, new moms, 
Um, it's great for new moms and people trying to heal their relationship with movement. And there's some therapists and dietitians, like you mentioned, and I think there's just such a great variety. So it's like, I tell people maybe one week you want to learn a little bit about anti-diet dietitians. And then the next week you want to learn a little bit about movement or the next week you want to learn about, you know, postpartum and stuff like that. Like there's such a great variety. Um, so I really appreciate that. And I wish I, I always tell my, I always think to myself, like, I wish I would have had something like that when I was younger, like having a space like that would have been so life-changing. Um, so I'm so thankful that you, um, created it and are providing this for people. Cause it really is so important. Um, and I'll put the link and everything in the show notes so people can find it really easily. Um, and then I'll also link the workbook or the journal and then everything else that, that you mentioned, but Jenna, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This was great. This has been such a great conversation. Um, you're actually my first intuitive eating coach that's been on the podcast. (laughs) So it was really, it was really great to go dive into that intuitive eating aspect and kind of provide the listeners with, um, some support and also hope that they can also get to a place where they don't need to be dieting or restricting anymore. And they can really live that life of freedom and, eating what they want and making those choices for themselves. Yeah. The best. Yes. It's the best. So before we wrap things up, Jenna, do you mind just sharing where everyone can find you? Sure. We are on YouTube now. That's kind of our focus. Um, people can just look up the body love society. Uh, we have new videos every week. Plus we also record the video of our podcast and put it on there every week. Um, so that's where you can mainly find us. We are on Instagram, but we're not um, on there as much, but we do have an account for the app. It's called Undiet Your Mind app, um, our account on Instagram. And of course you can find the app in the app store called Undiet Your Mind or at undietyourmind.app. Yay. I love it. Thank you so much, Jenna, for being here. Um, and I will talk to you later. Thanks. Bye.